Are you a caregiver? Or do you have a loved one who is aging and you or they might have questions that need to be answered? We have some answers that might help. This is Aging Life Network with Nancy Oriola. Today, you'll hear from experts and others related to the field of aging who will bring you answers, best practices, and tips for helping your loved one navigate this new part of life. Now, here is your host, Nancy Oriola. Hi, this is Nancy with Aging Life Network, and today we're talking about managing finances under a power of attorney, trust, or conservatorship, and we'll also be discussing your role as a fiduciary. Many family members and friends of disabled adults and seniors are named in the role of financial fiduciary under a durable power of attorney or as a trustee or conservator. While there may be variations based on state-specific laws, there are fundamental protocols and practices that those in these roles, my guest and I, would recommend people adhere to. We're going to talk about that today. My guest, John Atwood, has been professionally involved in these capacities for almost two decades. John serves as Vice President, Trust Officer, and Business Development Director for First American Bank of New Mexico. He is a return guest, and um, I'm pleased to have him here once again. He has a lot of information. John has held uh, certification. He is a nationally certified guardian under the National Guardianship Association. He has had that certification since 2006. This does make him uniquely qualified to administer conservatorship, special needs, and personal injury settlement trusts. He has extensive experience working with clients on the disability spectrum and with older adults. He, um, he's also graduated from the American Bankers Association Intermediate and Advanced Trust School. John has a lot of experience um, also uh, administering uh, estates um, he, his um, bank acts as his department, acts as financial power of attorney or financial agent. Um, he's been on many boards locally, including the UNM Parker Center for Family Business, uh, the UNM Anderson School of Business, as well as the Alzheimer's Association and the New Mexico Guardianship Association. You got a lot going on, John. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I typically like to tackle a topic from the macro level, typically, when I do an interview and move to the more specific. But for those listening, I thought hearing about the specifics in terms of avoiding mistakes and being prepared for the challenges might be a better way to start. Um, so we're going we're gonna to begin there, and later we'll get into the bigger question of people's duty as a fiduciary. Again, um, good morning, John. Welcome to Aging Life Network. Um, John. Thank you. <laughs> John, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes people make and some of the most important things they should do if they are, find themselves in the role of, uh, of attorney, trustee, or conservator? I, you know, I always kind of back up to the point where uh, a, a, many of you probably remember a cartoonist by the name of G- 
Gary Larson, who did uh, cartoons sort of depicting sometimes animals as humans. And I somebody bought a mug, a coffee mug for me, and it sort of sets the stage as far as I'm concerned for this kind of discussion, uh, which is kind of bizarre, isn't it? A coffee mug to set the stage for what is it? Uh, how important is it as a fiduciary? What are your, what's your job and all that? Um, the, the coffee mug that I had on my desk for many years was a picture of two um, deer, I guess is the plural, two deer standing up on their hind legs. And they're sort of having casual conversation out in the woods. And when you, you notice immediately that one of the deer, one, one deer has a, what appears to be a target on him, on, on his chest. And the other deer says to him, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. And, of course, the, the implication is here's a couple of deer out in the woods, and one of them unfortunately had the you know, bad luck of, uh, of a birthmark that was in the shape of a target on a, on a deer. It's kind of a you know, mm-hmm. funny sort of illustration that I always, I always remembered as a fiduciary, as an appointed fiduciary in a legal document, you immediately do have for the good, all the good that you can do or that you do, 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 uh, taking from a, a famous Mel Brooks movie, um, the, the fiduciary, whether financial power of attorney or conservator or um, the trustee has a target because on them because they are a legally appointed uh, representative of the individual that you're representing. And so it, it sort of goes back to the definition. Let me throw some, some Latin out at us today. Um, the word fiduciary, which is to, to most people, somewhat of a complex, hard to understand concept. It comes from the Latin for fiducia. Um, and I, I want to sort of, you know, say all hail, all, members of fiducia you're you're all in the same club um you're all from the same country we're all responsible for someone and the word really you could say fiduciary equals trust so if you are you were entrusted with the care of the assets of the individual that um, possibly is incapacitated or unwilling to serve themselves in the role of trustee uh, or the court appoints you as conservator. So, so this is a trust thing. Uh, uh, somebody, somebody out there trusts you to handle their financial matters um, without um, any uh, interference with your own and involvement with your own financial matters. It's completely separate. So I, I think you're probably going to, we'll talk about some of that in terms of, uh, specifically, uh, do you want do you want to do that, Nancy? Talk about some of the do's. Yeah, I and want the- I want you to talk about the do's and the don'ts. What are okay. some of the biggest mistakes people make in the you know in the I, I, mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest is we we all assume that uh, it, well, it's easier for us if we just take the assets of the person we're financial power of attorney for or agent and put them in our bank account. And so, what we do there is not legal uh, that I know of in any state in the United States. It's considered commingling of funds. And so one must be extremely careful to, to uh, 
the, the fancy word is bifurcate or separate those two, uh, your assets, your personal assets from those of the person you're, you're an agent for or your conservator for if the court appoints you. As in some states, it's the, the, uh, there's different definitions for a court-appointed person or entity to serve as a uh, financial representative for that incapacitated person or trustee. So a big, big no-no or what, what you, you really, uh, from a positive standpoint, is separate your assets and make sure they're not mingled in with the assets of the person you're an agent for. That's one. Um, I know uh, the, there's, a, there's another um, oftentimes uh, confusing issue in terms of uh, when you close the accounts for someone. Um, so the closing of the accounts with an auto deposit, an auto draft, you've got to be very careful about how those accounts are closed and, and uh, if, if need be um, reassigned uh, to an account specifically in the name of the person with your your name or the entity's name as the uh, agent for them. So careful and be careful in how accounts are closed and especially with these auto drafts and auto deposits. Um, impartiality is an important part of serving as a fiduciary. The, the two eyes, well, impartiality and transparency. Um, the decisions you make uh, should be impartial. They should not benefit you in any way. In, in uh, most states that I know of, there are really two sets of laws that, that are involved with financial matters. Probate law, which is in New Mexico, what we're, we're responsible to, to comply with as it relates to the financial power of attorney. And then if you're a trustee, uh, it's the trust law within that state. So uh, I, I, I certainly want people to walk away from this podcast today, understanding that when you have been asked to serve as a financial representative under an attorney, in fact, or agent or statutory power of attorney or financial power of attorney, one of those documents, you are, a, you are legally responsible for the actions, your actions and the decisions that are made uh, serving in that capacity. So um, one, one of the other big do's to me that oftentimes gets overlooked and ends up uh, occasionally, maybe more often than occasionally, in uh, financial power of attorney work is the, well, oftentimes uh, family members are appointed as financial power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney. And sometimes uh, the, uh, the parent would appoint in their documents one child, adult child to serve as the financial power of attorney and another child to serve as the healthcare power of attorney. Mm -hmm. and, and we often overlook the need, necessity to have the financial power of attorney and the healthcare power of attorney collaborate in their decision-making. So, um, and it goes back to um, mom, dad, when you're, when you're, meeting with your attorney and establishing the, when you're filling in the blanks, who's going to serve for me? If I can't make decisions, financial or healthcare for myself, who's going to serve, who's going to step in to do that? And we'll put their name in that document. Well, first of all, make sure whoever you appoint, you've dis discussed it, that they want to, that they're willing to serve in that capacity. 
And then if they're willing to serve and you put their name in, um, I, I really like to have discussions with, with the, uh, the financial private attorney and the health care private attorney that you all work together. You're a team. You want, you're working for the best interest of that person that appointed you. So whatever is in their best interest, not in your best interest, that's, that's where you collaborate to make sure you're enhancing the quality of life of that person. So when mom is thinking about those two children, it would be beneficial if she knows that those are the two children that are harmonious with each other generally, that, you know, they have a good relationship. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. And there is, I mean, we could talk, we could do a whole show, and I think we may have on the conflicts around, you know, daughter think, you know, Usually it's the daughter, healthcare, and it's the son, financial, yeah, but not always. Um, but, you know, daughter thinks mom needs X amount of care. Son, who's handling the money, doesn't believe it's a good use of funds. And so, yes, that, that can be a problem. Say a little bit more about, um, um, you hinted at it, conflict of interest. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're selling a home, for instance, under any of those roles, um, you know, what's the implication of selling it to yourself, selling it to a family member under market value, um, you know, um, speak to. Yeah, that, that's, that is oftentimes uh, a concern of mine and concern of all those that are in, involved in the uh, interested people, interested persons, as the court would look at it, um, looking, so, so you, you may or may not perceive that you have people looking over your shoulder when it comes to these kinds of decisions, but you, you do, you, you always will. Um, and it may be you're harmonious with your siblings, but you may not, you may have a spouse that may, uh, I, I always say this, you can do everything, make every decision that's perfect, and yet you may be perceived to have a conflict of interest. You may be perceived by someone in the family or out a friend uh, of the family that you're not doing your job right, that you're cheating in some way, that you're stealing in some way. Um, again, it goes back to the target you, you have on you just because of the role you ex- you've accepted. So um, I... I believe that you um, uh, every decision you make is it defensible if someone would take you to court so whatever that decision is 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 it selling your the house Um, and and if you're be very careful about Lighting that match of conflict of interest. So uh, perhaps uh, the broker who's going to list the asset or sell the asset, have them do a comprehensive market analysis, drop it in your file. That's sort of we thing. absolutely a great point. We at yeah. the bank require actually a what's called a qualified uh, uh, appraisal from an actual uh, commercial appraisal uh, uh, company, uh, which just uh, pads your protection sure. a little bit sure. more than. Analysis, yeah, if you're if, right, if you're selling privately within the family, get an appraisal of the property. Yes. It might be required anyway. Um, Good. And what about um, 
retitling of assets. We often talk about unfund trusts that aren't funded. You know, right. that, uh, I mean, a lot of older adults do the, this themselves. I think more and more law firms, there may even be rules about it now. Um, make sure that, and and define what funding a trust yeah. means. Good. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's foreign. It's a foreign language to uh, certainly it was to me before I got it. As my mother was a trust officer for twenty some years, so yeah. I, I sort of got a lot of it through assimilation. But um, when people say to fund your trust, if you have a trust and you have an attorney that you're working with, a qualified estate plan attorney. Uh, well, let me back up one little step. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the don'ts is don't ever, in my opinion, uh, pull an estate plan a financial power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney, will trust document off the internet, seek out a qualified estate planning attorney to, to help you plan your estate. There, you can, you can, uh, I think uh, the last time I was on the show, I think we talked about this very thing. Well, and there's I, a I just, lot of reasons. Yes, there are a lot, a lot of reasons. reasons. Yeah. And I mean, healthcare power of attorney might be the one exception, although you very well would probably miss things that, you know, an attorney would put into a healthcare power attorney in terms of advanced directives and um, end of life, you know, cremation authorizations and all that. But, yeah. but all the financial documents, no way would I ever suggest people pull things. Good, off. good. Um, and, and that was real, real quick add on to that, yeah. um, that a lot of times we don't think about. Have a backup role, have a backup person. Uh, I, I see, I don't know how many documents I see where there's only one person named and something happens to that person. And so, you know, it's a little bit more work to say, okay, if something happens to, to this number one appointment, do I have a backup to the number one? A lot of good attorneys will recommend there there are backups, but sometimes we miss that. But just real quick in terms of retitling assets, um, it, it's actually naming the account or the home or um, some your financial assets in the you you name it in the name of your trust, retitle it in the name of your trust, or it, unless it's a qualified retirement account, then that's a whole nother animal. Animal, but um, don't forget to retitle your bank account, your investment account, um, your your anything. Um, that it has to do with uh, the, the that's what it's the funding that the trust means to retitle it in the name of the trust that, that asset. So funding is simply changing the name, changing the title of the asset. Correct. From, from, from mom to the power of attorney. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that again. I'm sorry. Funding. A trust is changing the titling of the asset from the individual's name to the trust. That is correct. That is, you know, the the Jane Doe revocable trust. Absolutely. And then comma, um, John Doe trustee. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, typically... Many, many, many trusts go unfunded, as the term is used. Yeah, and then there's somewhat, a, somewhat of a waste because the trustee is 
really got to jump through a lot of hoops to 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 go back and and redo that. So yeah, mm-hmm. we're captured. Although it's doable, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. Right. Um, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, uh, I'm going to ask John about some of the challenges folks will face, uh, undoubtedly, when dealing with banking institutions and investment companies. So um, that's juicy. That's juicy. It's juicy, sexy almost. So when we come back, I'll be talking. I am talking with John Atwood from First American Bank. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. So before we get back to the question of challenges, I I just want to say something about the difference between power of attorney, conservator, and trustee very quickly. I mean, I came into the show assuming people who are listening uh, are either named in that role, acting in that role, or think in the future they might be in that role. And we could certainly do a whole show about each of those in in another um, capacity. But um You know, a power of attorney is a voluntary document signed by the individual, and um, they choose who they have to have capacity. It's called testamentary capacity. Lawyers evaluate it at the time that they're doing the power of attorney, and they name the individuals. And as John said, it's always good to name a successor to a primary person. Um, but they are voluntary, and because of that, and we'll talk a little bit about that, um, you know, they can be somewhat easily revoked, and it's part of what spooks um, banks and institutions today because sometimes we have what we call dueling power of attorneys, but we'll talk about that. Uh, a conservatorship is involuntary for the most part. 
Um, it is a court appointment that the person is de- deemed incapacitated in the eyes of the court and they lose the ability to make all financial decisions for themselves. There can be limited conservatorships, but conservatorships in general are involuntary and they cannot be changed or revoked unless a judge orders that they... Yes. Nancy, can I just also add in there, I oftentimes see in someone's estate plan a recommendation for if a conservator was needed, they they uh, oftentimes can, uh, before the incapacity, mm-hmm. they can recommend in their estate plan, uh, you know, this person, that person, that bank, this company. So, so you can sort of pre-plan that to a degree, even yes. though it's court process. Yes, you can. You can put it in your power of attorney. You can probably also put it in your will. Um, a trust and is it is typically a voluntary document established by an individual, but not always. A trust can be established by a power of attorney and by a conservator, or it can be established uh, by your will. And so um, unless it's irrevocable, it can be changed. And there are many, many, many different types of trusts to meet people's goals. And so that is absolutely something John and I could spend an hour discussing all the different trusts. And we maybe should do that at some point with an attorney with us. Um, that would be fun. We, our definition of fun. And, um, <laughs> and so those are the differences between the three. Um, so getting back to, uh, and if you have any other questions, um, you know, John, give us your email address. Sure, right now? Yeah. Okay. J Atwood, J A T T W O O D, at, spell out the name first, F I R S T, and then the abbreviation for American Bank, A M B dot com. So J Atwood at first A M B dot com. And you'll get me. Good. Or nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. So um, getting back to challenges, talk about some of the challenges uh, people should be prepared to deal with uh, with uh, bank institutions. And then after that, um, some challenges with investment companies. Good. Good. So let me start by saying banks just like everybody else, fear being sued. So we don't trust people uh, like we used to. The banking industry has changed probably as has our world with more and more litigation. So here you come in with your financial power of attorney in hand and you take it to the teller and the teller says, you'll need to see an officer of the bank. And so you go sit in the lobby for, I don't know how long. We don't do that here, of course. We're much faster. But uh, you sit in the lobby and wait for, for someone to come out, an officer to come out, and they're going to take a look at your documents. Now, be prepared. This is, uh, in fact, I have to do this myself. I, I experience this uh, often. Be prepared to be uh to be looked over pretty thoroughly. Your identification, 
your doc, the documents themselves. And don't be at all surprised if the individual that's uh, reviewing the documents, although they've been trained or should have been trained as our bank trains to review and uh, uh, determine whether a document is, is the real thing or not, uh, they more often than not will send your documents off to their legal department. And the bigger the bank, the more complicated that process is and the slower it is. The smaller the bank, generally uh, here in our community, a lot of the credit unions and, and uh, smaller banks have a, an attorney on retainer and they'll fax the uh, documents over to the attorney. And so they'll look it over and your turnaround time is much better. So um, if, we, if we think something, we've been trained in this business as fiduciaries. I've been involved in this business for 15 years. Uh, if something doesn't smell right, then you dig deeper and you look uh, longer and do a little bit more investigation as to whether or not this is a legitimate document. Um, the, as Nancy mentioned earlier, the financial power of attorney is uh, compared to a conservatorship document, which is stamped by the court, uh, or the trust document, which has even more scrutiny and is accepted much, much quicker than the, than the financial power of attorney there'll be less scrutiny over certainly a court document and the trust as there would be over a financial power of attorney. So sort of expect that um, uh, those that are named in your documents, uh, you may even want to, to mention that to them. Um, and, and I could go back to the, the, the really the best document is to have uh, certainly if it's a court document that, that, that that document holds up quite well or a trust document, but, we are going to scrutinize and, and it's, it's all, it is based on um, certainly the bank doesn't want to get burned. If, if you have a son and a daughter, a daughter and one of them has an older uh, power of attorney document and someone, uh, the other individual comes in with a newer document, you know, which document is, is, a, is accepted. Um, the, the attorney that drafts the documents for you and the, if those documents are ever changed or amended will refer to oftentimes all previous documents are null and void and what you have uh, now, what, what you bring before the bank um, is certainly the most accepted, would, would be the accepted document. So just be, certainly be prepared for additional scrutiny. It's going to probably, I, I don't have good news here. I think that it will be more difficult over time uh, because the forgeries are certainly, that I, I know it comes as a shock to all of us, but uh, people forge financial documents. Uh, we have a report that comes to, into us almost every day at the bank, and all banks do. There's a certain system that we have where um, reported forged documents, um, you know, and that may include a, a check uh, forging, forging checks or, you know, all of that. It's occurring constantly in the banks. And the banks, if they... Um, if they would um, acknowledge the document that you have, similar to, say, a check, and cash that check, then the bank has to fall back and absorb that loss. 
So we're, we are, my, our, my apologies for all banks in the country, in the United States, they're going to be very cautious and careful about the documents that are brought forward. So what we've written, we've somewhat remedied that in New Mexico and many other states with what's called a statutory power of attorney. So the, 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 legis, the state legislature actually says, this is the suggested form we want all of you attorneys out there in, in, in the state to use. And if you use that form or kind of modify it just a little bit, then the banks are generally going to say, ah, okay, you've got the form that the state approves. So we're, we're going to be more apt to uh, approve and process uh, the transfer of accounts and that type of thing. Uh, if it's a statutory, generally a statutory power of attorney. So, so um, just be prepared for a, a little bit of a, a hassle unfortunately, but it's, it's there actually to protect your assets and, and of course, to protect the bank. But, but I, I guess I should say it's really there to protect your assets. That's the intent of, the legis- of state legislatures is to make it harder for people to fraudulently uh, access your, your accounts. Um, and in terms of banks, I, I would um, say that I have noticed there are some banks who simply will not set up power of attorney accounts. Um, so you may have to go to different banks. Um, yeah. Yes. I, um, even as a private professional fiduciary, I've had the experience of a bank saying, and when we talk about the bank, we're talking about their legal department. All banks have legal departments. And yeah. so when you go in with any of these documents, you can pretty much be assured you're going to have to wait a few days before you can do anything because legal is going to have to review it. And I have had a legal department in a bank say that a 14, 15-year-old document was just simply too old. And so um, you're going to have a problem if you've got the 15-year-old power of attorney. It's one of the reasons attorneys now suggest periodic reviews and updates of estate planning documents. I, I, I hadn't had that problem before, but I have now recently. Yeah, um, it's always like to give, uh, especially estate planning attorneys, uh, a pat on the back. Most, if they're if they're really uh, a qualified estate planning attorney, they're going to plan into their calendar a, a a a letter to you or an email to you or a phone call to you. Um, please um, take my my uh, opinion here. Uh, they're not trying to generate more fees. They are actually doing the responsible thing by. Um, by reminding you to, if you've been through a divorce or if you've been through some life-changing experience, had a had a baby, um, uh, moved out of state, they're, they're, those uh, reminders to review and update your estate plan are extremely important. And it's, it, I know I get, I hear this all the time. The the attorneys reminding me just so they can make more fees off of me or they can generate more fees. It really is important to update your estate plan. Nancy, you did a great job of, of uh, encouraging that. So, Yeah, because what happens is um, in, the, in the example I just provided, we were able, this fellow, although mildly impaired, impaired enough to not be able to manage his finances, certainly, 
but uh, the attorney determined he was not so impaired that he couldn't sign a new power of attorney. And so we were able to do that. If we could not do that, you then have to go the next level, which is the conservatorship, which, as you know, John, can be a very costly legal action. And so, and, and so it's something we try to avoid with powers of attorney. Um, and trust documents, you're saying, is much easier to go into yep. banks. Um, I, I have found, and this was a personal thing, uh, with a testamentary trust, uh, without a corresponding trust document, that got a little tricky. The bank it didn't can. understand really what that was, and I had to bank shop to find a bank to do the testamentary trust. Uh, and by that testamentary trust, what I mean is there's actually no document except well, it says when you die, when I die, I want a trust set up for my, you know, 18-year-old or something. What about investment companies? Um, they have even more regulatory issues um, any challenges we might see? And again, I think the power of attorney is probably where most of the challenges are going to be found, would you say? Yes, I would. And I, uh, my solution, when I run into a roadblock, either with a bank or a, uh, I don't get a free pass when I come in from, to, to uh, I'm not going to name names, but uh, you know, especially larger banks, uh, nationwide banks, that if I walk in with my papers, even as a trust officer, uh, with my, my business card and my uh, driver's license and all of those things, um, I, I still occasionally do, as Nancy said, hit a roadblock. And, and I don't get upset about that. I've, 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 I've seen people and, and seen people in my own industry, colleagues of mine, that get very upset when their documents are questioned. I don't, I don't uh, get upset at all. I, I stay calm. Uh, it's going to go off to their legal department. They'll determine. There are, uh, as time goes on, states are adopting more laws that do make it uh, more convenient for the uh, financial power of attorney to, uh, to move a bank or an investment company uh, into understanding and accepting their documents. So most state legislatures are, are backing the, 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 the common man more than used to be the case and, and have brought laws onto the books in uh, our state. Uh, the, the, the laws really aren't, what I recommend is that if you have uh, any serious concerns about whether or not your document's accepted, uh, call up the estate planning attorney that drafted the document and say, I'm having trouble with bank X. Could you contact them? And then, then attorney talks to attorney at the bank. And often, more often than not, that can lead to resolution uh, because they're, the, the bank, again, we're trying to figure out, is this a real deal? And I don't want to be exposed and we don't want our clients' assets to be exposed. And so attorney to attorney oftentimes, uh, more often than not, will lead to resolution. So that's, that's my recommendation, investment company or bank. And, you know, as a, um, as a small private fiduciary, um, I assume individuals would have this same, it's not a challenge, but it, I wish it weren't this way kind of thing. Um, I have to give all my personal information 
I have to give my social security, my home address, my date of birth. Um, and I imagine a family member who is uh, retitling an investment asset into some fiduciary account has to do the same. Um, so you need it, to be prepared for that. Yeah, there's, there's one of the, probably the primary concern and I'm forced as all uh, uh, bankers that are uh, regulated by the FDIC, we're forced to be trained on money laundering, unfortunately. And most of the concern, it's somewhat different in terms of providing the bank with your personal identification is to, uh, to determine whether or not you're involved in a, and of course, 99% of us are not involved in money laundering, but uh, that's, the, that's the concern. Uh, so we do have to, uh, to, to be, be uh, uh, open, unfortunately, with our personal information. As, as a banker, I'm even, when I go to another bank, I've got to, now, it used to not be this way, I've got to give them my driver's license, uh, which has my date of birth and my driver's license number, and they want your social security number. The, my, my, always my concern was, what if the bank's system or the investment company's uh, software system is hacked by somebody, then um, I'm serving as a, a power of attorney for somebody, but I've given them all my personal uh, information. So it's a trade-off. It, 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 I don't think it's going to get better unless somebody invents some new. And it um, it doesn't necessarily mean, and things won't appear on your tax return, but you need to be ready to and prepared to to um, to get that. And then, of course, there's the challenge if mom or dad, um, all their investments were in Vanguard or Fidelity and they don't have an advisor, um, I'm assuming you would agree with me, uh, move, the, move those funds, get yourself an advisor. Don't, don't be the person making investment decisions um, when you've got six siblings watching to see what kind of choices are being made. Really, really valid point. Off what I what I always say is, if you can offload the exposure onto a professional as much as you can, because Nancy is right on. I hate to use the word target, uh, right on, on on in line there with um, when you offload the day to day management of an investment account onto a professional, they carry. Uh, their insurance, they're regulated by the SEC, and uh, you 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 bring on another level. I guess a more positive way of saying it is, you you bring on an, an extra level of insulation. If you want your house to to be comfortable in the winter and comfortable in the summer, and you and you don't want to spend a lot of money, insulate yourself in this role um, as a fiduciary with with offloading the day to day. You're still responsible for that investment account ultimately. But you have you you, you do your due diligence and hire uh, someone at a, a, an investment firm or that can look at that and be responsible for that investment account on a day-to-day basis. Well, you know, in the old days, um, the old days, you know, you could, uh, quite some time ago, I don't even want to say how long, we, um, we always thought if everything was in CDs, we're good. You know, and, and in particular, I, I don't know, today you might be able to defend the fact that mom had those or dad had those CDs for 50 years and you just continue to follow 
is a state plan. Uh, you might be able to get away with that, but if you're talking a million dollars in CDs and they're not in investment assets, you could have a whole different problem. People are now litigating, um, saying they should have been diversified. And so, you know, you hand the money off to somebody who can make those decisions and just say, I want it to be conservative or moderate, you know, anyway. You know, we we need to take another break. And and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about reporting requirements under these three different types of financial authority and who we're responsible to and, and if we have time, loop back to the transparency issue and why it's so important. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Nancy. I'm here with John Atwood, and we took so much time in the first two segments. We're going to have a pretty short segment, I'm told, this time. John would like to give you kind of a checklist of the things that you're responsible for when you're managing finances under a fiduciary um, role. So hit it, John, and then we'll, we'll try to get to some of the other things. Sure. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I, I call it really the financial power of attorney job description. And, and, you know, get your, those of you that have Excel uh, expertise, get your Excel spreadsheet out and, uh, and list. And, of course, the easiest thing to do, just Google uh, duties of a uh, financial power of attorney. And you'll, you'll pull up, there, there's all kinds of lists out there. Um, but it, the investment account, we just talked about that. Uh, bank accounts, savings accounts, you're going to be responsible to, I mean, I guess, start at the very beginning, review the document and make sure that you are responsible for 
the items that are sort of checked off within the document itself. And you want to be careful not to do things that aren't your responsibility under your your purview or uh, that's not assigned to you. So uh, generally speaking, most financial power of attorneys are are, uh, involved with most of the things that I'm going to check off on the list, investment accounts, bank accounts, uh, uh, retirement accounts. A lot of people think, well, they, they sort of, they're on autopilot. Uh, the financial private attorney is responsible for working with whoever that is that's managing that 401k. So uh, you're, 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 you're supposed to be looking that over as well, making sure that everything's going appropriately. If there's a mortgage taxes on uh, any uh, per, uh, personal uh, a 1040 uh, personal income tax taxes on the residents. Uh, do they have a, a, a rental home, rental properties? All of those things are under your they're, they're your responsibility unless they're in a trust uh, been been named as an asset of a trust. The utilities, the insurance, uh, which means would be the home, the vehicles, um, maybe an umbrella insurance. Remember now that. Um, in many cases where someone becomes incapacitated, uh, financial, they can't handle their financial matters. They also may be incapacitated from a health perspective. And so now they may be uh, the person that you're, you're responsible for in terms of their financial matters. They may be having a uh, 24-7 care coming into the home. And so there are uh, insurance concerns uh, are the caregivers bonded? Are they licensed? Are they insured? Uh, so this sort of dovetails into your responsibilities of making sure, doing your due diligence that your um, the individual you're responsible for, you're protecting their assets. Um, you know, have they moved into a care facility? Are there care facility uh, bills, invoices that you need to re- be responsible for? Doctor bills. You become very familiar with. EOBs or explanation of benefits if you're um, involved and responsible for this area. The phone, the cable, um, all the essential uh, uh, items that uh, help enhance the quality of life of that person. The bottom line is you're responsible to protect the assets of that individual. So if the roof leaks on the house and they're living in the house, uh, uh, find you know someone that's going to fix the leak as soon as possible because if if serious damage occurs, then, you know, you've got to, you're, you're responsible for fixing that. Yes, Nancy. Um, and real estate and personal property, caregivers coming in the home, get the valuables out of the home. Get them Good out. Good point. Wow. And that's, yeah, it's the, it's the things, it's the wedding rings or the, the gold watch, um, protect, lock them up. Um, oh, sorry, use that expre- expression, but make sure you you uh, secure uh, those types of assets that someone could walk away with. And one of the future beneficiaries of the estate will question uh, whether or not you, you know, that's potential for questioning whether or not you secured the property appropriately. Great, great thing to add in. Right. So there's a, there's, so every aspect of uh, an older adult, uh, although our, in many ways our lives get simpler and in other ways our finances can be more complex. Um, so who, so can we quickly say who are we reporting to? Who are, do we Good. have requirements? 
Good. So yeah, we we and I apologize. We've kind of covered the financial. You no, know, I'm not sure we have enough time to fully cover this. We have you know just a minute to okay. speak to this. But so financial power of attorney, it goes back to transparency with with those that are interested in what you're doing. They're they're um, make decisions that are defensible. Uh, so there isn't as much scrutiny outside scrutiny legally. Uh, while you're serving as power of attorney, under a conservatorship, the statutes generally will ask you to report initially on the inventory that's that you're responsible for, and then on an annual basis, you have to provide oftentimes state to state, it varies, but a detailed report on what's going on with the assets. And then in a trust, the, the trust statutes generally dictate at least annually, and, and if you're a trustee, and you, you, this is the most important thing I want you to hear today. If you're a trustee and you're, you're not reporting the activity of the assets in the trust to uh, what we call qualified beneficiaries of the trust, those that are down the line could receive distributions from the trust, um, check with the, your attorney to make sure you're appropriately providing reports and statements to those that you're supposed, supposed to provide them to. This is where the big litigation occurs um, when people don't tra- aren't transparent and don't report what's going on in the activities of the trust with the investment account or with the other transactions. Yeah. I, um, you know, my own brother, my mother had named both of us and I said, please pick one. It's much simpler. And of course she picked her son who lived she saw weekly and lived nearby and I lived 2,500 miles away, but, and he and I had a good relationship, but he would unsolicited, he would send us an annual financial statement, um, just letting us know all the income expenses. Uh, If you have any questions, let me know. He didn't have to do that. It's a really good thing to do. Especially when you have multiple siblings. Um, we've only got a few minutes left, John. Uh, I will say, I need to say a couple of things before we close. One, I think I need to have you back and we need to have a fuller conversation about conservatorships. I think there's enough to say that we didn't get to today that would be important for people to hear. Yeah, um, and, you know, there's there's a movie that's, well, I think it has to do with Britney Spears. It's generated a lot of buzz about conservatorships. Our dad was a conservator. So I, I think there'd be, at least from my perspective, there's a lot of interest in that in that area. Yes. Um, yes. I, I hadn't even thought of that. A movie that I don't plan to watch because it's really <laughs> propaganda. Although there are bad actors, I will say that. But they never write about the good work people are doing. Um, and are there resources online that could give people more guidance? Good. Yeah, uh, of course, um, basic uh, Google uh, duties of a fiduciary. Um, There are two organizations online with resources for attorneys that I I really recommend you look at, and the the acronym on one of them is ACTEC, A-C-T-E-C, the American College of Trust and Estate Council. Uh, those are some fine folks that you can go on. They have state by state. You can plug in your state, and they'll they'll identify who's there. And then the uh, NALA, N A E L A, and that's an elder law 
Association, mm-hmm. National Elder Law Association. Okay. Uh, if you pull somebody off of those two, one of those two yeah. lists, you're going to probably be successful. Okay. Um, all right. So in the last 30 seconds, I want to say that John does work with clients out of state, so feel free to contact him if you need to. Um, I want to thank the support of our sponsors, TrueLink Financial and the Decades Group. And I want to thank John for taking the time, being uh, my, one of my first repeat guests. I appreciate all that you know and all that you are happy to share with um, average, everyday consumer folks. And uh, we'll... We'll see you next time. Let's set a date to talk about conservatorships. I do think it's an important topic. And um, if listeners are interested in hearing more about trusts, just email me at nancy at aginglifenetwork, let me know, .com, and let me know um, some of the things you'd like to hear about on the financial side. Thanks for a great show, John, and I'll talk with you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in this week to Aging Life Network. Please join host Nancy Oriola for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We can't wait to talk again.